You're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Hack's Waking Up at the Scotties. Each morning during the Scotties, we will offer you a new episode, including interviews with players and others that are inside the bubble and other guests that are enjoying the action from home, just like the rest of us. I'm so happy that our first Waking Up at the Scotties comes up on Sandra Schmirler Day at the Scotties, and one of our guests is Darren McCune of the Sandra Schmirler Foundation. We also welcome Krista Burns and Amanda Gates of Team Northern Ontario, and we recap Saturday's action with clips from some of your favorite players. All that more on Waking Up at the Scotties. As mentioned in the intro, today is Sandra Schmirler Day at the Scotties, and despite restrictions caused by the pandemic, this year's telethon is still happening. Darren McEwen of the Sandra Schmirler Foundation is here to tell us about this year's telethon and about how you can donate either over the phone or online. And Darren, the Sandra Schmirler Foundation telethon has become synonymous with the Scotties and takes place on the first Sunday of the Scotties each year. Can you tell us a little bit more about the telethon? So yeah, this is uh, it's going to be a really unique year, and we looked back a few months ago, and there was so much uncertainty around uh, the the hub city happening, and we we needed all sorts of contingency plans to ensure because this is the largest event for the Sandra Schmirler Foundation of the year, um, and this event being the telethon is usually, as he's mentioned, Frank, right there uh, at the Scotties. The foundation raises money to help. The foundation raises money to help uh, babies born premature, critically ill. And uh, it, what we do is provide grants to hospitals to purchase life-saving equipment for those babies all across Canada. And now more than ever, those hospitals need that funding to support uh, the babies that are born premature and critically ill. So this telethon is so important to the foundation and to babies all across Canada. Sandra's legacy is, is obviously steeped in curling and steeped in sport, but it goes so much beyond that. Her legacy of, of uh, you know, strong family and community and giving back, and, and it, it, you know, premature and, and critically um, ill babies are born um, to people of all walks of life, and, and more and more even the statistics show every year. So we need to ensure that this still happens, and that's what we decided to do a few months ago was say, okay, let's sit down, and if there isn't a hub city, which Thank goodness we are uh, now, what, day two into the Hub City happening? There is, but we looked at this and said we might have to do a completely virtual telethon this year. What if there wasn't a Scotties? Now, as things evolved and the, the great work of Curling Canada and TSN to ensure that the Scotties does happen, so we will still have those three draws during the, tel- the telethon tomorrow on TSN, um, and you'll be able to watch, of course, all the curling, and we'll have updates on TSN of how we're doing and stories from some of the curlers and, and, and talking about Sandra's legacy. But what we've done this year is between games and actually before the first game as well, on our Facebook Live, we are going to have a virtual telethon. Uh, we have two great hosts uh, lined up to uh, take us through an entire day with all sorts of stories from families, from hospital foundations, from curlers past and present, um, as well as from Sandra's family. And let me tell you, I love being at the Scotties for the last 10, 12 years. Uh, who really misses it? Sandra's mom, uh, Shirley Smurler. She uh, She's always at the Scotties every year on that Sunday uh, helping raise money. And uh, this is a little bit unique for her and for all of us to be at home doing this. But we're all going to be answering phones virtually. And we wanted to ensure that the fans have an opportunity to hear more than any year stories of their donations help babies. 
Now, one of the enduring traditions for the telethon each year is that the players competing at the Scotties take time during their day to answer phone calls and take donations. Now, obviously, it's going to be different this year. Can you share how people will be able to call in to donate, and will some of the players be involved on some level? Yeah, that is definitely one of the highlights. I mean, what other event can you watch on television and then call in to, to speak directly with someone that you cheer for uh, all throughout the year and during the event. And um, It's going to be a little different this year. We know that there's so much on the minds of these players that are participating in the Hub City. Um, there's a lot more stress even this year with like the protocols and, and shuttling themselves back and forth. So we didn't put much pressure on the players to answer phones. Uh, what we did ask them to do is what sort of stories they can share with us. So we have a lot of videos and, and stories of, of, especially from the Scotties participants, but also Briar participants of, of uh, you know, maybe their time that they spent in, in a, a neonatal intensive care unit with one of their children. Um, as well, we do have a Team Saskatchewan. They're actually one of the teams that get the full day off tomorrow, Team Sherry Anderson. They're actually going to be answering some phones for us as well during the day. Um, Sherry, of course, and the entire team having such a personal connection to our foundation, not only being from Saskatchewan, but also with Allie Jenkins, the late teammate uh, uh, of Sherry's uh, who passed away with complications um, during childbirth. And Scott Jenkins is actually one of our guests throughout the day. Um, and we'll hear from Laura Walker as well and Jeff Walker and their little baby Liam. Uh, so we have lots of uh, uh, interactive content that we're providing this year, um, way more than ever before. Um, and we have an interview uh, with uh, CBC's Devin Haru and all sorts of uh, special guests to, to chat with us. You'll still be able to, of course, call in. It's the number again is one eight six six two one zero six zero one one. And if you can, if uh, if you're near a computer, we're actually encouraging you this year to to really donate online because that's going to make sure that um, you know we've never done this before in a virtual environment. We've had tremendous help from IKS Media in Saskatchewan helping us do this, as well as Net to Phone, who's here in Ottawa where I'm based. Uh, and they're always with us, uh, that uh, that organization helping us answer phones. Well, we're doing it from about 50 various places and homes across the country and, and small little centers as well. And so if you can donate online at sandrashmurler.org, we encourage you to do that. Um, of course, you can still call in to speak to one of our volunteers um, who can do that. And, and listen, we know this year, Frank, is a really difficult year for a lot of people. Um, and you might be looking at this and thinking, you know, well, Spears, I've maybe donated fifty, hundred, two hundred dollars, and just not in a position to do that this year. We encourage you to, if you can, switch to monthly donations. So that that's maybe just ten dollars a month. So, so the cost isn't as much right now. Um, and of course, even if you are aren't able to help uh, in the donation front, if you're able to share our messages across social media, this actually an incredible story last. And Megan Duhamel, I know you was a guest on your show a few months ago. She went on to uh, to embrace that um, that share and also learn that um, she was spending time in a Sandra Schmurler Foundation courtesy room in Oakville when she spent time in the NICU with her daughter. And she went on to represent our foundation on CBC's Battle of the Blades and won us $50,000 for that. So when you share something of ours on social media, um, we are not a huge foundation. We, we don't have the uh, maybe the, the reach of some of the other national organizations out there, but people learn what we do. We are a one-of-a-kind organization that does this, that gives directly to hospital foundations. There is no doubt that uh, Sandra Schmurler is one of the greatest curlers in Canadian history, but what does it say about her and her legacy that she is possibly having a bigger impact years after passing away than she even did during her legendary curling career? I think it 
true to her legacy that that's the case. I, I, I never knew Sandra. I obviously was a huge fan growing up of hers. But getting to know her family, her two daughters, uh, Shannon, her husband, and, and Shirley, and Carol, and, and the whole extended Schmirler family, like family to Sandra and to that family is just the bonds they made, they, they've created are just so strong. And they show up every year at the Scotties. And I, I was actually doing some content for the, for the telethon and watching an old tribute that aired in 2001 after Sandra's passing. And it was just, you know, getting goosebumps just, and we'll air some of that actually on the telethon. Hearing her talk about family and hearing Shannon and, and the girls as well, um, it really shows like that Sandra was such a community builder. Um, she was obviously a champion, and she was obviously um, you know so uh, determined on the ice to win. Uh, but off the ice, I mean, watching some of these clips from both Brandon when she won the Olympic trials to when she won the Olympics, the first thing she's doing is over there, you know, grabbing her daughters and just crying. And I, I remember one story actually when she, after she won the Olympic trials and was going to Nagano, she was had this, you know, these these incredible emotions that she was going to go to the Olympics, but that she had to leave her daughter behind because she was so young, and that was just so emotional for her. So the connection that she has to family and to giving back, I think it, it really shines, that she was not just an athlete that achieved great things on the ice. It's really come full circle to show what Sandra was about when she was with us, and, and now her legacy is, is just as strong 20 years later. And finally, Darren, uh, where can people donate tomorrow and where can they watch all the content that you've put together for Sandra Schmirler Day at the 2021 Scotties? For sure. You can call us at 1-866-210-6011 or donate online at sandraschmirler.org. And we start our telephone on Facebook at 9.30 Eastern. And then, of course, draw five of the Scotties starts at 10.30 Eastern on TSN. And then between every draw tomorrow, come back to our Facebook to watch all this live programming um, while you enjoy the Scotties. It's a really cool concept that we've come up with this year, and we're really hoping that people can, uh, can help us uh, help babies uh, that are born too soon, too small, and too sick. Before we chat with Krista Burns and Amanda Gates of Northern Ontario, let's catch you up on Saturday's action. Draw 2 was the first draw for teams in Pool B, and it included several familiar faces, including Jennifer Jones in Team Manitoba, who defeated Team St. George of Quebec by a score of 7-4. After the game, Jones talked about her team's mindset entering the Scotties after playing so few games this season due to the pandemic. Our team definitely talked about that and just where we wanted to be, but we all felt like we could do some training even off the ice and prepare and be ready to play. And so I think we still have the same expectations of ourselves just because that's the way we're built. Um, but at the end of the day, we just want to really make sure we have some fun and want to focus on after this event, like what we did well, what we didn't do well, and what we need to improve in order to be really good come December. Jennifer Jones also discussed her new teammate, Lisa Weagle, playing in place of Don McEwen, who is pregnant and sharing the team from home in Winnipeg. Yeah, you can't really compare them because they're both incredible teammates. And we do feel like with us, she's everything time we do something funny, we think of Don. So I feel like Don's a part of our team, regardless of whether she's on the ice or not. But Lisa's just been amazing. Uh, she's been thrown in and played the entire well season, which was two events. But uh, she's just been outstanding on the ice it feels like we played with her for years uh it's really easy i feel like we communicate really well there's a, a level of trust that's already built up so given the fact that we've played only probably a dozen 
games, maybe not even that many. I'm we're really, really happy with how it's going so far. Another draw to action, wildcard team number one, or Team Flurry, skipped by Chelsea Carey at this year's Scotties, defeated none of it by a score of 6-3. to three. After the game, Chelsea Carey was asked if she felt a little rusty during the game. There were some rusty moments, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But um, I, I've at least been able to throw a little bit uh, for about a week, so I felt not too bad coming in. I thought, considering how long it's been, that that went pretty seamlessly, really. But yeah, we had a couple of moments where we were like, oops, <laughs> that, that probably wouldn't happen at a normal Scotties. Also in draw to action, Prince Edward Island came from behind to defeat Saskatchewan 7-6, and Newfoundland and Labrador held on to defeat New Brunswick 8-7. After their game, Newfoundland and Labrador skip Sarah Hill spoke about feeling a little overwhelmed while on the ice for her first ever Scotties game. Going out at first, it's a little overwhelming because you have all these big names on the sheets next to you. Um, you know, you grow up watching them, but you never actually get to play alongside them. So being out here on the ice, it's so hard for me to not want to look over and watch all these other games go on. But I guess we talked about it, you know, at the beginning of the week, and we kind of just said, like, let's focus on our game. Let's play the way that we played at Provincials, and we'll just try to grind out a few wins up there. Um, we are fortunate enough to get one under our belts right off the hop. I think we played pretty well. Uh, we'll have to sharpen up a little bit going forward. But overall, I think we, uh, you know, we kind of just stayed focused on our own game, our own thing. And yeah, lucky enough to get a win out of it. The draw three started with a surprise as the game between Canada and the Northwest Territories was rescheduled because a player from the Territories fell ill. And to be safe, Curling Canada rescheduled the game to Monday. Turns out it was nothing but food poisoning and no other games were impacted. On the ice in draw three, last year's Scotty's finalist, Team Holman of Ontario, won their first game with a 9-4 win over Beth Peterson's wildcard team number three. After the game, Holman spoke about how she felt playing her first game while in the final stages of her pregnancy. I mean, it went great today, as good as you could hope for. Um, and if things stay like that, then uh, I'll be happy. It's not, my situation is not something you can kind of predict in the future. Um, and things are continually changing every day for me, so... Um, right now, I, I feel as good as you can feel um, at this point. Um, and so as long as everyone's healthy and safe, then I, I don't foresee anything happening. But uh, knock on wood, <laughs> everything just uh, goes the same as it did today. Holman went on to describe how important this event is for her and all of the other curlers as they play with an eye towards next year's trials and ultimately the Winter Olympics in Beijing. It's really everything. Um, we can't thank Curling Canada and, and everybody enough for um, all the hard work that's been put on, that's been done to put this on. Um, we need these games more than ever for for Canada and to be able to compete with the Olympics coming up. So um, it's absolutely huge for us to compete in such amazing ice conditions and um, extra teams that uh, we're going to get tons of extra tough games. Um, it's just a, a great field, and uh, we're really fortunate to have this opportunity. Mm -hmm. And we feel very safe. Like, the protocols that were put in place have made us all feel really really safe to go into this event. So um, it's great to be able to curl and also mm -hmm. not be worried about um, the pandemic and the process. It's definitely different. There's a lot of differences, but um, when you're on the ice, it's it's still curling. So it's awesome. In other draw three action, Team Brothers of Nova Scotia defeated UConn by a score of 13-4. to After the game, Jill Brothers spoke about how helpful it was for her to have played in a few events early on this season, even though her team has not played much in recent months. I mean, I don't know if we have an advantage over the other teams, but I know it makes me feel much more comfortable coming here, knowing that we've done everything we can do and that we've had ice time. 
we've seen some of those so some of those women throwing out there and it doesn't really look like they've missed too much time um so we're we're just doing our best to be as good as we can be and whatever whatever they do you know maybe they come out nice and easy because they haven't been able to do anything and maybe they just get on a roll right so it's really hard to say what's going to happen for each player that hasn't played a lot and we know that we've just done our best to play a lot and finally, in draw three, Team Walker of Alberta defeated Mackenzie Zacharias and Team Wildcard number two by a score of seven to five. After the game, Laura Walker discussed the pros and cons of competing in a bubble. I mean, there's actually a lot of parts of it that I really like, and I think they should maybe bring forward. We're um, we're so much safer. There's so many Scotties where people get the flu or they get sick, and um, that will never happen with a lot of the protocols they have in place. So I actually think there's a really a lot of really good things here. It's a lot mentally, um, like you said, like, as a new mom to try to balance what I need as an athlete and what my son needs from me um, as a mom. So that's just been a little bit different adjusting to, especially being stuck with him in a hotel room. But I think we're getting there. In draw four action, Team Fleury, known as Team Wildcard 1 at this year's Scotties, moved to 2-0 with a surprisingly easy 9-2 victory over Team Jones of Manitoba. After the game, I asked lead Kristen McCush if she was surprised how quickly Chelsea Carey had fit in with this team. Yeah, it's been great. Um, honestly, it's been pretty seamless. Um, I think our communication has been really good. And so I think that that has really helped. All of our Zoom meetings that we've had previous to this event um, kind of set us up for, for that. And we just really wanted to focus on that good communication, which has seemed to really help. Sherry Anderson was not happy with her performance in the morning draw on Saturday, but came back with a strong performance in draw four on Saturday evening, leading her team to a 9-3 win over Nunavut. After the loss in the morning, Anderson jokingly said she was going to go back to her room, kick something to get the frustration out of her system and play better in the evening. She was obviously asked what she kicked and also what the big difference was for her between the morning and evening games. It just worked. I had a better feel for draw weight. Um, I, I struggled with some rocks and the weight and the patches this morning and it, I don't know if it was less patchy yeah, tonight. Really it, it was a little more consistent and the and the weight felt more like arena ice so um, it, it just felt better that way and it worked um, as far as what I kicked I hurt my toe me. so <laughs> <laughs> it was hard whatever I hit was hard <laughs> In other action on Saturday evening, PEI moved to 2-0 with a 12-4 win over New Brunswick, and Laurie Saint-Georges of Quebec got her first ever Scotties win, 9-5 over BC. Saint-Georges explained what that first Scotties win means to her, and her and her teammate Haley Armstrong discussed how they used a similar approach for both their games so far at the Scotties. So I feel that winning our first game, it's amazing. I mean, I have no words. It's not only amazing because we, we won, it's amazing to win with these girls. Honestly, it's it's my family, it's my friends, so it's nice to win with them. I honestly think that we we had almost the same strategy as, as um, the game this morning. I don't know if you want to maybe talk about it a bit. Yeah, I think uh, like we have like we have really good strategy. Lori calls a really good game. Lori's also like, you know, she almost plays better with uh under pressure like she likes the pressure um but i also think like we did a really good job today reading the ice in our second game and we're really good at having our rocks in good places as well so i think that helped us a lot my final guests on today's episode are krista burns and amanda gates of northern ontario burns is making her first scotty's appearance while gates is playing the scotty's for the fourth time 
Now, Chris, so you played your first ever Scotties game on Friday evening against Northwest Territories. What was that experience like, and how did you feel out there? Yeah, we were a little bit nervous for us rookies, but again, because it was it was so quiet out there, there were no fans, it felt a lot more normal than I would have expected it to. So nerves-wise, wasn't too bad, but in general, we're, we're pretty laid back, and our number one priority was to just have fun, so I stayed focused on that, and I wasn't too nervous through the whole thing. Now, Amanda, you've been to a couple of Scotties before, and you've experienced how exciting anticipation field and even nerve-wracking it can be when you hit the ice for that first game at the Scotties. How different and perhaps even less nerve-wracking was it out there on Friday evening for the first draw of this year's Scotties in Calgary without the opening ceremonies and without a jam-packed arena there to watch your team play? Oh, I'm one of those people that's my favorite part of the Scotties, like the fans and all that energy the lights and the parading in is kind of what I love and that usually pumps me up a lot I don't find that adds nerves at all if any it was nerve-wracking this year especially last night's game at the end there we were the only rink like the only sheet out there still playing and there was no sound it was dead silent and you could hear you know a pin drop in so if anything that was kind of more nervous made me more nervous than other games in the past at the Scotties actually. As I mentioned Chris uh, this is your first Scotties so you will be relatively new to most of the audience uh, that might be listening to this podcast and watching the Scotties Uh, but you've had a very good start to your curling career. Can you tell the audience a little bit more about Krista Burns? Yeah, so I guess my highlight reel is uh, I was a bronze medal at the Canadian Juniors one year. That year I won the University Nationals. That was our big year. Other than that, since then, it's kind of been, I'm kind of just taking time away from curling to try and upstart my career. So this kind of threw a wrench in that (laughs) because here I am at the Scotties and I wasn't even planning on curling this year. (laughs) You have to admit though, Chris, that's a pretty good wrench. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a heck of a wreck. Now, you were mentioning earlier that your team was the last one on the ice, the last game on the ice, in part because you made a late comeback against the Northwest Territories, coming back from 6-3 down. Was the ice consistent throughout the game, or did you see it change as the game progressed? We, we just felt that it kind of straightened up slowly, kind of, as we went along. We had to kind of tighten up the broom, and once we figured that out, we started making a lot more shots because we were missing everything wide. So it did change a little bit, but I don't think it was super drastic. And I thought once we once we read it, it stayed pretty consistent. Your team was going back and forth early with the Northwest Territories until giving up a fourth spot in the fourth end. Now, Amanda, as the veteran of the team, was there a part of you that was quietly wondering how your teammates would respond to giving up such a big end like that early in their first ever game at the Scotties? I actually didn't think about that at all in the game because kind of one of our goals coming in was just to be in every game and, you know, kind of enjoy the experience itself. So we didn't really put a lot of outcome goal pressure on ourselves, which I think is because we we don't feel pressure from anyone else. It's all just mostly internal, like, you know, being underdogs, no one's putting pressure on you as an underdog, except for what you put on yourself. So when we talked about our goals, we didn't make any outcome goals. We just kind of said, you know, enjoy the experience, be in every game. We had some strategy goals we wanted to work on. So when we got down in the game, Actually, Krista said, perfect, we know how to play now because it's just score points. It almost made it easier. So we kind of had a funny little laugh at our little meeting after that end. And I was like, okay, here we go. Let's just try to make more shots. Like, you know, everyone's pretty late. Like our team's pretty laid back in that sense. And so even when we got down the game, I I felt good that we would would still make a good, good kick at it. And then it was nice to come out with the win in the end. 
Now, Chris, I've done a bunch of interviews with Skips prior to the Scotties and the Briar over the past several years, and they all tell me that they play one game at a time, that they don't look ahead. But I also know that all of you know what your schedule is and who you're playing and when you're playing them. So I'm just wondering if that game against the Northwest Territories was particularly important for your team because your next two games are against Alberta and Canada, two of the favorites in your pool. Yeah, I think for sure. But but again, we kind of came in with a different perspective on it. Like instead of looking at, oh, we should beat this team or that team, we just said, okay, we need to go into every game. We need to learn and try and just keep with who we, wherever we're playing. Every game we're going to play is going to be a tough one. It doesn't really matter who we're against. And coming against these bigger teams now, I think if we can keep the same attitude we've had, we'll have a shot. Amanda, I can't let the two of you go without asking you what your bubble experience has been like since your arrival in Calgary. Bottom line, we're very grateful to be able to curl and play in this event. So we can see that a tons of work has been put in to secure our safety and make sure that all the players feel um, that they can, you know, be at this event and not worry about getting uh, sick or anything. So um, we do feel safe here. We've had tons of tests. For the first couple of days, we had to be alone completely in our room, which you know me. So that was hard for me. I I went to social media and I've been posting a lot about my days on there and people have been reaching out, which has been nice to keep us company. So basically just a lot of testing. We have to get our temperature checked twice a day and do a wellness check-in. We have to scan our passes in and out. Whenever we leave the hotel, we have to scan out and then scan in at the arena. So it's very secure and they always know where we are. So I think that they've put a lot of measures into place to to keep us all safe. Um, So I think it will run smoothly going forward, I hope. But the nice thing, too, is I feel like a lot of the athletes have kind of accepted that it's going to kind of change day to day. We've probably gotten one to two emails every day uh, before and even since we've been here changing things. And I think the athletes have just kind of accepted that we just need to be flexible and new things are going to pop up. And, um, you know, the reasons behind it are to keep us safe because that's def- we definitely all feel safe as the bottom line. So it's, it's definitely been interesting. You know, it's nothing like any other Scotties I've been to. So it's new for me as well. And finally, Krista, has your team identified your go-to restaurants to order from in Calgary yet? <laughs> well, we, we were uh, kind of confined to room service for a little while. So I think uh, tonight we might start expanding our horizons and see what Calgary has to offer culinary-wise. <laughs> <laughs> And that does it for today's episode of the From the Hack podcast. Please consider donating to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation at sandraschmirler.org or by calling 1-866-210-6011 because champions start small.